Hello, and a warm welcome to my Asthma Spotlight podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Levy. I'm a family doctor with a special interest in asthma. My aim is to help people with asthma and also their caregivers to understand more about this disease and how to stay safe. I will share lots of information about asthma. However, I will not be able to answer any personal medical questions for which you should really consult your own doctor. The opinions I express in the Asthma Spotlight podcast are my own and they are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical, health or professional advice of any kind. Please do see the disclaimer details in the podcast description. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Asthma Spotlight podcast. The podcast has now been running for 43 weeks, and I'd really appreciate some feedback via my email at asthmaspotlight at gmail.com and any requests that you might have for further topics. Also, please do click the like buttons and follow me if you are finding this useful. Now, last week I explained why and how guidelines are developed. Today, I'm going to talk about some of the issues and problems related to asthma guidelines, particularly in the United Kingdom. However, many of these issues will apply in other countries, and I'd like to hear back from you if they do. If you haven't listened to episode 42 on guidelines, then have a listen to that as well as this episode. The two really complement each other. In the first podcast on guidelines... I explained that doctors are really busy and may not be right up to date with asthma. Now, there's lots of research published every week, and it's really very difficult for a generalist, like a general practitioner or a general pediatrician or an adult physician, to keep right up to date. So guidelines are one of the ways that specialists try to help general doctors by making recommendations for good practice based on the published evidence. Now, I explained last week that as someone with asthma or a parent of a child with asthma, it is really in your best interest to be familiar with the asthma guidelines. So then you know what to expect from your doctor or your asthma nurse when you consult for your asthma. So what's the problem? The biggest issue 
is that guidelines are not often implemented or followed by all doctors. So you may be treated very differently compared with someone whose doctor has a special interest in asthma. And that's the so-called postcode lottery. If your doctor has a special interest in diabetes or heart disease, you may not be treated according to the latest asthma evidence. Another problem is that guidelines are not infallible. They don't work for everybody. So let's start with the first problem. Why don't doctors follow guidelines? Or why don't they implement their recommendations? The obvious reason may be that a doctor is not familiar with the latest asthma guidelines. And this is a result of how busy many doctors are. It's very difficult to keep up to date with the many different guidelines that are published, and there are many hundreds of them. Another reason might be that there are different guidelines for the same disease, and a doctor may have read one of these without being aware that there are others. A classic example is in the United Kingdom, where we have two sets of asthma guidelines. The one produced by NICE, that's the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, and the other one is produced by a combination of SIGN and the British uh, Thoracic Society. SIGN is the Scottish Intercollegiate Guideline Network. And these two organisations work together to produce a guideline. The one by NICE is very heavily promoted by managers in the health service. And this is mainly because this one advocates cheaper treatments. However, the NICE asthma guideline does not include guidance on management of acute asthma attacks. So a doctor that's only aware of the NICE guideline or only following the NICE guideline would not be aware of the latest guidance for treating asthma attacks. So that doctor may believe they are following the asthma guidance without being aware that there are gaps in it. In addition, the two guidelines give very different advice on which drugs to use and when. So this has led to a total state of confusion in the United Kingdom and may explain why the guidelines are not being implemented. Another source of confusion, also in the United Kingdom, is that the National Health Service managers come up with incentives for doctors to encourage them to prescribe in a certain way or to do certain checks on people with asthma in order to get paid. And these systems change with each new health minister that comes into power and with each new government. In other countries, doctors' payments are based on certain investigations and checkups that are done for people with asthma. So this clearly influences the way that doctors work. The other problem is that with successive governments, as I've said, and health ministers, the incentives change so the doctors get really confused trying to follow the instructions each time new payment requirements are implemented. Sadly, these incentives don't always help patients with asthma and could be quite harmful. For example, there was a recent United Kingdom incentive for doctors to favour dry powder device inhalers rather than the press and breathe puffers, um, the types of inhalers that many people are familiar with. Now, the reason for this was to save the planet. Now, while I'm very keen to do whatever is necessary to save the planet, and I'm a wildlife photographer and I'm very keen on um, environmental issues, this scheme was implemented by many doctors in a way that put people at risk. 
The problem was that everyone is different and everyone's ability to use an inhaler varies. So ideally, a prescription for a new kind of inhaler should be done face-to-face -face with a person. There should be clear instruction and demonstration on how to use the new inhaler. And the person prescribed the new inhaler should be able to demonstrate that they understand exactly how to use it. Because after all, inhaled drugs will only work if they get into the lungs where they're supposed to work. And if they end up in the back of your throat because you're breathing too fast or you're not breathing in the right speed or that you're not breathing in coordination with the, the actuation of the device, the drug ends up in the wrong place. Now, sadly, many doctors simply sent a new prescription to patients for a new kind of inhaler without an appointment to teach them how to use that new inhaler. And as a result, there was increased risk for some people that they may have an asthma attack because they couldn't use the new inhaler or because they didn't like the new inhaler. And what was missed by the people who initiated this incentive scheme was that asthma attacks themselves contribute far more to the destruction of the environment in terms of um, carbon footprint particularly than do the inhalers. So that incentive scheme died um, in 2023, um, about a year after it was initiated. The other incentive scheme in the United Kingdom is called the Quality Outcome Framework, or the QOF system. And this is a system which is used to pay general practitioners. So what happens is that the National Health Service sets out what should be done when treating people with certain diseases, like high blood pressure, diabetes, asthma, and lots of other conditions. Now, there are fairly detailed instructions and guidance on what should be done when treating people with these chronic diseases and also when performing checkups, like, for example, an asthma, um, annual asthma checkup. Now, a detailed asthma review should include a check on the diagnosis. So, have you really got asthma? A check on your treatment. Are you on the right treatment? Is your asthma controlled? And have you got any risk factors for future attacks? And if you do, then these should be discussed and your treatment should be optimized or changed to make your asthma control better. And in addition, your inhaler technique should be checked and you should be checked to see that you can use your inhaler correctly. Furthermore, if you have uncontrolled asthma and you are taking your medication correctly, do you need to be referred to a specialist? Finally, you should be provided with an asthma self-management plan that you've agreed with your doctor or asthma trainer. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now, all of this guidance is in the ASMA guideline and is part of the instruction for implementing the quality outcome framework. However, um, the problem here is that the requirements for the quality outcome framework takes precedence and what GPs focus on. Now, these requirements are for records on the GP computer systems to include certain bits of information. And the whole asthma management program is summarized down into four or five bits of information, including, for example, do you smoke? Um, have you got an asthma management plan? How well is your asthma controlled? And have you had any attacks in the last year? Now, these are all important questions, but they don't cover all the issues that I mentioned when an asthma check should be done. So many doctors and nurses simply ask the questions that are needed to get that basic information, those four or five points that are needed for payment, and they don't necessarily do all the things that I mentioned in performing an asthma review. So this system has become very much like a tick box exercise where the payment items are recorded in your notes and you may not get a thorough asthma review and you may not get a review along the lines intended by the quality outcome framework or along the lines detailed in the latest asthma guidelines. Now another reason why guidelines may not be followed and this applies particularly in the United Kingdom, is that while there are national guidelines, many local variations are developed. The National Health Service, unfortunately, does not deliver a true national um, service in terms of asthma. And you get lots of local variations of the national guidelines being implemented. So as a result... There isn't a clear, cohesive national directive on how asthma should be delivered. Because the national guidelines are only updated every three to five years in many countries, including the United Kingdom, and those updates are based only on a small number of key issues. So they might focus, for example, on diagnosis or drug treatment or tests that should be done to make a diagnosis. So these guidelines are not up to date with the latest evidence. So some local areas in the United Kingdom have taken steps to rectify this. So what they've done is they've taken a lead from the annually updated evidence-based GINA International Strategy for Asthma Care. And this is a strategy which has been advocating a major change in the way asthma is treated. Now, there's very good evidence for this change, and it's been adopted by 48 countries, including the United Kingdom. So some forward-thinking local guidelines have been developed particularly in three areas. These are Oxfordshire, Buckinghamshire and Dorset, where the concept of as-needed anti-inflammatory reliever treatment, so-called air treatment, has been adopted. Have a listen to my interview with Professor Richard Beasley in podcast episode number 34 
for an explanation of this kind of treatment approach. In essence, Gina recognized that we had been, for the last 50 years, advocating use of the blue short-acting reliever inhaler for first-choice treatment in people with asthma. Now, this worked very well because it gave patients and people with asthma immediate relief. Unfortunately, there's been quite a lot of research which indicates that if you use too much of the blue inhaler, and particularly if you use it regularly, you are putting yourself at risk of having a severe asthma attack and even dying from the disease. So what the GINA um, strategy recommended was that we should be delivering relief medication in the same inhaler as a preventer or controller medication, in particular an inhaled corticosteroid. Have a listen to the other podcast, number 34, for an explanation of this kind of treatment, which has, as I say, been adopted by at least three areas in the United Kingdom. The other issue regarding guidelines is that they are not infallible and they're not always appropriate for everyone. So, for example, in the National Review of Asthma Deaths, about half the people who died were not treated according to the um, UK asthma guidelines. However, that means that about half of them were treatment were treated according to some parts of the UK guidelines, and yet they still died from their asthma. So what's the problem here? In my view, the basic issue relates to the fact that asthma is just not taken seriously by politicians, healthcare professionals, and people with asthma themselves. Good asthma management is clearly summarized in what I said earlier. And to repeat that, this includes that the diagnosis needs to be confirmed, appropriate treatment to include correct inhaler technique is then started, and you must be taught how to recognize when your asthma goes out of control and what to do when that happens. And your doctor or trained asthma nurse must monitor your asthma to include both current control, i.e. how are you today, and also to identify any modifiable risk factors, for example, like have you had asthma attacks in the previous year, and then to adjust your medication where appropriate. And of course, you as a patient also need to play a role in the management of your asthma by adhering to your doctor's and your asthma nurse's advice. Sadly, both healthcare professionals and people with asthma don't engage with all the different aspects needed for good asthma care. That was what happened with those people who died in the National Review of Asthma Deaths. And this applied both to the healthcare delivered by the healthcare professionals, the doctors and the asthma nurses, and also, but, and also by people with asthma. Either the diagnosis was not made clearly in many people, medication was problematical for many, especially in a failure by doctors and patients to ensure that appropriate medication was prescribed, collected, and then taken as prescribed, and that only a quarter of those who died had been provided with a personal self-management plan for their asthma that helped to um, explain how to recognize poor control and when to call for help. You may remember that I've said in a previous podcast that 45% 
of people who died from asthma in that National Review of Asthma Deaths that we investigated had not contacted or received medical help during their final fatal attack. Not surprising, because three-quarters of those people had not been provided with any self-management education. So in summary, there are evidence-based guidelines available which can help busy clinicians to decide on the best way to treat asthma. These guidelines are written by experts who provide recommendations which are based on research evidence that has been published. Sadly, due to a number of reasons, asthma guidelines are not followed, particularly in the United Kingdom, and this might be the case in other countries. In my view, this is because asthma is not taken seriously enough by governments, healthcare payers, healthcare professionals, and people with asthma. As I said in the previous podcast on guidelines, if you or your child has asthma, it would help you to be familiar with these guidelines so that you know what to expect from your doctors and asthma-trained nurses. I have put together a list of these on my website at bigcatdoc.com. While the guidelines are not tramlines to be followed rigidly, the key elements of diagnosis, drug treatment, education, and most importantly, recognition of risk and how to deal with attacks are very important and should be included in care plans for people with asthma. Ideally, countries should have their own national guidelines, but if they don't, the most up-to-date guidance is available in the annually revised Global Initiative for Asthma Strategy documents. The organisation is known as GINA, and the website and the documents are all available at genasthma.org. Thank you for your attention. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful, and I hope you did, please click the like and the follow buttons and share this podcast. Please do send me any feedback or questions to my email address, asthmaspotlight at gmail.com, and I'll do my best to answer these in future episodes.